No, in my opinion, the scariest stories don't have any room for jokes or laughter. Live from Liverpool, we need to talk about ghosts. Dark. My name's Kevin Eustace, and welcome to The Dark. In these episodes, we'll be reading out true listener stories, things that have genuinely happened to people. Sometimes I get a story which is so chilling to the bone, it demands a respect, it demands a reverence, it demands people come away from that story in fear. And that's what these stories will be. We're going to take the levity out of it, because these are true horror Now, I've personally experienced the emotion that I want you to get out of these shows. If you've listened to my other podcast, We Need to Talk About Ghosts, you'll know that myself and Becca, my partner, we've experienced what some would say is paranormal activity in the apartment we live in. From the corner of the eye phenomena to bangs, raps, strange lights, all of the things that we've discussed in that show. And with me being a believer and her being a sceptic, it inevitably falls into joke arguments trying to convince each other who's right. Now, I always thought that that's who I was. Someone who could not only cope with a paranormal experience, but could actively seek them out, even in my own home. So the bangs and raps, the shadows fleeing just out of sight, all that excited me. And now, I know why. It was because the sceptic's counter-argument, or Becker's argument, was strong. Very strong. Yeah, I wanted it to be paranormal, or so I thought, but at the back of my mind... I knew it was more than just likely that it was the heating going on or the apartment just settling down or my very short-sighted eyes playing tricks on me. But that all changed one day when in broad daylight, whilst we talked to each other in the kitchen, we looked up in shock as the tap squeaked and slowly moved itself into the on position. Now you'd think, like I've just described, the believer in me be overjoyed, finally hard evidence But when faced with the cold, hard fact that something was in the apartment with us. Something that had the power to physically move things. And that something could do it whether or not we wanted it to. That excitement was quickly replaced with fear and anxiety. For as much as I believed and spent my adult life seeking out stories which would convince me further. Right then, I wanted a sceptical explanation. And I understand why now. I understand why some people will explain anything paranormal as something rational. Because what's the alternative? I'll tell you. The alternative is dark. The alternative, you're told, doesn't exist. It can't exist. The alternative watches you whilst you sleep. The alternative sends a shiver down your spine on a warm summer's day. It makes you mute the television and shout, Hello! to an empty house, before doubting what you definitely, actually heard. And that emotion, picture it in your head, that's the emotion I want you to experience with these stories. As fans of the paranormal, we all love the excitement, the giddiness, the what was that? element. But for these tales, I want you to know these things exist. Get in the mindset that this is as real as the phone you're holding and the house you live in. 
So today, I'll ask you a question. What do you do when you're told not to think of something? Try it. Don't think of a green car. What did you do? You thought of a green car. Now what do you do if that thought gives power to something that lives in the darkness? Something you don't like. And something that doesn't like you. Well, you'd do your best not to think about it, wouldn't you? Now, full disclosure, I'm about to tell you a story that contains just that. That thing is called a tulpa. And here's the kicker. Thinking about that spirit is all that it takes to bring it into being. So, after you've listened to this episode, go for a walk, call a friend, listen to another podcast maybe, but don't think too much about it. Why? Because the sad man might just decide he wants to come and say hello. Now this story comes from Alex in Yorkshire. Before I start, I just want to say I'm putting this story down as I've not repeated it in 10 years. Although I'll personally never tell this tale again, I think it's important that it's documented and hopefully people will learn not to look too hard into the paranormal because, like it's been said, it will look back at you. You know the old saying, out of sight, out of mind? What we experienced could be phrased in the mind, in plain sight. I've spent a long time researching what happened and I've learned that what we encountered was a spirit called a tulpa. Its history is largely centred around the mystical East, where religious practitioners would require assistance for menial tasks, cleaning maybe, and they would meditate and focus on bringing that assistant into being. And, after enough focus was delivered, this thought form would be created. Apparently, even though the conjurers were experts, occasionally the tulpa would wreak havoc and require banishing, via something similar to what we'd call an exorcism. Now, I married my wife Kate ten years ago, and she had two daughters from a previous relationship. Emma, the eldest, was eight at the time, and Beth was aged five. Kate and I both made an effort to help the girls feel included in the wedding. Although melding families is often difficult, after initially being wary when we first met, they seemed to like me well enough and it wasn't long before I loved them as my own. They were nice children and often played together. Shortly after Kate and I were married, Beth started asking for a place at the table for her imaginary friend. Seeing no harm in this innocent play, we went along with it and allowed Beth to make space for her friend in whatever we were doing. It started to annoy Emma though, as Beth would make Emma budge up in the car to make room for her friend and insist that cake was sliced into five pieces rather than four, for example, so her friend could have one too. We tried to keep the peace between them whilst going along with the friend. We asked Beth what her friend was called, and she said, The sad man 
we were expecting her imaginary friend to be a young girl, maybe her own age. So we were surprised that it was a grown man. But we didn't think too much about it, because, well, he's just imaginary, right? Emma disliked Beth talking about the sad man, and laughed at Beth for being a baby and having imaginary friends, saying, imaginary friends are for babies, and Beth is stupid for talking to him. Beth turned quite serious and said, well, he doesn't like you. He says you're stupid for not being able to see him. Emma's mockery turned quite nasty after that, and she constantly said mean things when Beth tried to do anything with the sad man. Now I understand the difference between sibling arguments and this. This was bordering on cruel. She taunted Beth in a horrible tone and really put her down over the imaginary friend, which Beth increasingly responded to with like for like. It was getting out of hand, so I told Emma one day that Beth's friend was real and that I'd seen him and she should show both him and Beth more respect. Now Beth seemed really happy with this and pleased that I'd said I'd seen him too. Kate, my wife, didn't like me encouraging Beth. She said she thought it was going too far and we shouldn't be going along with it like that. I said it was harmless fun and she'd soon grow out of it. But Kate told me she'd heard Beth crying and apologising to the man in her room. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When Kate had gone in and asked Beth why she was apologizing, she tried to hide that she'd been crying and wouldn't tell Kate what had happened. I could tell Kate was a bit freaked out by it, so I said we'd continue to go along with it a little, agree to set the table, etc., but I wouldn't say I'd seen him again or encourage it further, and we treat it and refer to it like an imaginary friend of Beth's and not someone anyone else could see. That night, I had a dream that there was a man in the corner of my room. I was aware of his presence and froze as he stepped forward. He was wearing dirty clothes and one side of his face was dropped like he'd had a stroke. He was carrying an empty blue plastic carrier bag, the kind a corner shop might use, and I just knew in my bones that he was going to suffocate one of our girls. 
he started to walk towards the bedroom door into the hall, and I struggled to get up and go after him, unable to move normally, and then I woke up. Kate said I'd been having a nightmare. I was unsettled, but went back to sleep. The next day was Saturday, and the girls were all off, but I had to go into work for a few hours. When I got home, Kate told me she and Emma were in the kitchen, Emma playing with her doll, when they both heard Beth scream, No! Emma looked wide eyes at Kate, and Kate went to rush through the kitchen and upstairs, but before she could get past Emma, Emma had also made a move to go upstairs, but her head had been yanked right back, as if someone had pulled her ponytail. It was just a tug, but Kate told me she'd seen it herself and seen Emma's reaction. I asked if she was sure she hadn't hit her head or anything in the rush to get upstairs. And Kate was quite short with me, saying, Alex, I literally saw her head pull back out of nowhere. They'd both been a bit freaked, but still they hurried up to Beth. When they got there, however, Beth denied shouting. Kate said Emma got frustrated with Beth because they'd both clearly heard the shout and Kate could tell Beth was lying. But everyone was so upset, she didn't push it. When Kate was telling me this, it was late afternoon and the girls were upstairs. I said I'd talk to them to try and see what happened. I went upstairs and they were both drawing on either side of an easel, like a stood-up triangle one either side, facing each other but unable to see each other through the paper pad they were drawing on. I said, Girls, about what happened earlier, when Beth cut in. Emma believes me now. She's seen him under the bed. I looked at Emma, who looked like she'd been crying. I asked if she was okay, and she nodded, but avoided looking at me and seemed strained. I could tell she was still tense and thought it best to leave it for now until everyone had calmed down and talk about it later. I went to leave when I noticed Emma was drawing the same thing as Beth, which was really unusual as with the age difference, Emma could draw a lot more proficiently than Beth. They'd both drawn a stick map. Half of his face was drawn at an angle. I asked, what's that? Emma said, the sad man. But what's wrong with his face? Beth replied, that's how it is. That's why he's sad. I went back downstairs and Kate was expecting me to have sorted it, but she could instantly sense I was a bit tense. I told her about the drawings and the dream I'd had about the man's face. We both tried to shake it off and leave it. But that night, after the girls had gone to bed, Kate admitted to me she couldn't get the image out of her head and said she was starting to jump at shadows. We both went to bed and in the middle of the night, I was woken up by Kate. She was clearly having a nightmare and I tried gently to wake her up from it, but she pushed me off. Then she woke herself up with a scream scrambled out of the bed and ran into the girls' room, 
Both girls were sound asleep, but on the floor next to Emma's pillow was a blue plastic carrier bag. Now, my mum has always been a believer in all things weird. I'd never paid much attention to it, but I told her what was going on. She said something was there and we were giving it energy. She didn't mention any supernatural names or terms, but she did say we were whipping each other up into a frenzy and we needed to stop the cycle before it got out of hand. She asked me if we wanted her to take Beth for a week or two to stay with her, saying new surroundings might help end it all and that a break would be also good for Emma and the rest of us too. My wife Kate had always loved my mum and while she didn't like the thought of Beth being away so long, she agreed we had to do something and knew my mum would take good care of Beth. So we positioned it to Beth as a treat and told her she was getting to stay with my mum and Kate told Emma they'd have some quality time, just the two of them. Everyone was happy with this. Beth went to my mum's and had a ball. My mum notoriously spoils them and Kate took Emma out shopping for lunch and the three of us went to a farm park. Soon Emma quickly perked up and we got back into a normal rhythm. When everyone had calmed down and gotten back to normal after a few weeks, I went to pick Beth back up. She seemed really happy and bubbly when I arrived. It was so lovely to see. My mum was smiling too and said everything was going to be fine. When we got back, everything did go fine. We didn't hear about any imaginary friends and the first time Kate set the table, she caught my eye as she put down the fourth place setting and went back to the kitchen without setting a fifth. And Beth didn't blink an eye. When I rang my mum, she seemed a bit down, a bit drained, but I thought she's just getting on, it's probably her age, and thought she'd soon be back to her usual self. Years later, when the girls were in their late teens, I was at my mum's, and she asked if Beth had ever mentioned the sad man again. I told her she hadn't. She said, that's good. Then she hesitated. What? I said. She was clearly in two minds whether to tell me something. So I said, Mum, Beth's fine. What is it? She said, Alex, I saw him. He came with her and stayed when she left. I spoke to him and whilst he never spoke back, I could tell he understood. Just before Beth left, I told him in no uncertain terms to leave the girls alone. And he did. Beth was fine for all of that stay. But the night she left, I saw him in the corner of the living room. He stayed there for weeks whilst I tried everything to get rid of him. I had to get a priest in in the end. And then she looked down snapped her head back up and said forcefully, he's gone now and we won't speak of him again. I didn't really understand at first why she said that at the end, but I knew it was the end of the conversation and she wouldn't entertain any questions, literally ignoring me and getting up to get more drinks. Later on, I understand why she said it 
It's the same reason I haven't told the story in over a decade. And never will after finishing this lie. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Alex for sending that story in. And if you've got a story you want featured, please send it to contact at talkaboutghosts.com. That story may be a bit beyond your realms of believability. And if that's the case, I encourage you to Google the Philip experiment. In 1972, Dr. George Owen and Dr. Joel Witten decided to conduct an experiment in Canada where they fleshed out a fictional person by the name of Philip Aylesford. They created his entire backstory and his life, saying he was born in 1624 in England, had an early military career and was knighted by the age of 16. They went on and embellished the entire history of the individual, completely fictional. Yet, because they put so much thought and effort into the creation of Philip, when they carried out a seance, Philip replied, I'll see you next time in the dark. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.